Hello and welcome. Danette here. Today we're going to talk about some new legislation that Congress just passed. This is the SECURE Act 2.0. It's also known as Securing a Strong Retirement. This is a huge piece of legislation. It's over 4,000 pages, and we are just at the very beginning stages of understanding all the implications that it's going to have for us. Today, I picked each of the four topics for a very specific reason. The first one of the four is the fact that they're going to raise the required minimum distribution age again, and they're going to raise it again in 2033. The second topic we're going to talk about is a completely new rule that is for married couples, and it relates to the surviving spouse of IRAs. This is specifically for married couples, and it is going to affect our financial planning at any age, no matter where you are in the planning process, this affects married couples. The third topic we're going to discuss is some new changes to our qualified plans, our 401ks. And if you are a student with a student loan and you're making payments, you're going to want to listen to this. This affects students and anyone who's ever had to take out an emergency withdrawal from a qualified plan. This affects you as well. And the fourth topic we're going to talk about is an update to the beneficiary rules for non-spouse beneficiaries. So in case you were feeling left out when we were talking about the option, the new rules for number two, which relates to married couples, the fourth topic we're going to talk about is going to be for everyone else, for unmarried people who own IRAs. So the new legislation is, again, huge. There are hundreds of new rules and regulations coming out. We are in the process of sifting through all of the material, and we expect to know more and have more information for you in the coming months. We're going to hold a live webinar on Thursday, April 20th at 1 o'clock Pacific. We're going to put a link to that in the description if you want to register and watch it. I'd also like to ask if you find the information that we talk about today useful or interesting that you share this episode with other people. The legislation that just passed, the SECURE Act 2.0, affects literally every individual person and business owner. Hello, Danette here, and welcome to the Ready to Retire podcast, where we share real-life stories and actionable tips and strategies to help you along your financial journey. Are you ready to retire? Let's go. So the SECURE Act 2.0 is follow-on legislation to the SECURE Act 1.0, which was passed in January of 2020. 
In that first piece of legislation, Congress increased the age to that you had to take money out of your IRA. They call it required minimum distribution or RMD age. They increased it from 70 and a half to 72. In this legislation, they increased it from 72 to 73. But if you're turning 72 this year, 2023, you will still be taking your required minimum distribution out. This did not change for you. For those of you turning 72 this year, this new legislation, as as we understand it today, will not impact you. The other thing they did was increase the minimum age starting in 2033 to age 75. So what this means is they are allowing us to keep money inside of our IRAs longer. And so when they first passed Secure Act 1.0, they increased the minimum age from 70 and a half to 72. And now they're increasing it from 72 to 73. And then in 10 years, it's going to increase from 73 to 75. And what that means overall is that they're encouraging us to keep more money in our IRAs and we're going to be able to keep them in our IRAs for a longer period of time. I have two pro tips for this strategy. Pro tip number one is when you are first required to take your minimum distribution the year you turn 72 in this case, you are actually not required to take your minimum distribution until April 1st of the following year. So if you turn 72 this year, it would be April 1st of 2024. However, your second distribution would be required to be taken by the end of December also of 2024. So most people elect to take their first year distribution in the year they turn 72 or in the year that they reach the required minimum distribution age. The exception allowing them to defer it until April 1st of the following year only applies to year one. And what that would effectively have you do is take, you would effectively have two distributions in the same year if you waited. So for that reason, most people don't wait. Pro tip number two is that you don't actually have to wait until your birthday or any time after you turn 72. You can take your distribution as early as January of the year that you turn 72 or make that required minimum distribution age. And in fact, there's a slight financial advantage to actually take your required minimum distribution earlier in the year rather than later in the year. Now, moving on to the next new piece of legislation, this is something that I think is brilliant and should have been passed all along or should have always been the case. What they have done is they've made a new election for the surviving spouse of a married couple with IRAs 
the surviving spouse can now elect to be treated as if they were the deceased spouse. What does that mean? In the example, in the case of a surviving spouse being older than the deceased spouse, the surviving spouse can make a one-time non-revocable election to say, treat the funds in the IRA as if they were the deceased spouse, as if I was the deceased spouse. So if I'm the older spouse and I'm 75 and my husband is the younger spouse and he's 65 and he passes away first, he would not be required to take money from the IRA. He would not be required to take RMDs. So the way the law stands now, if the surviving spouse, the if the person who passes away, that money goes into the IRA of the surviving spouse. And if that person is 75, then they have to start taking RMDs, even though the person who passed away wouldn't have been required to do it for many years. So this is something that probably should have been done a long, long time ago, but what the impact it has uh, for all of us today is that we should favor the younger of the two spouses when we're making contributions and when we're making withdrawals, meaning when we're making contributions, if we can fully max our savings plans to both spouses for married couples, If we can fully max it out, that's great. But if you are contributing and you only have enough funds to contribute to one of the two spouses, you should be earmarking the money towards favoring the younger of the two spouses because the benefit is going to be when the time comes to take the money out if the younger of the two spouses passes away first. And the same is true for when we're taking money out. If we're taking money out of IRAs and once we've met the required minimum distribution amount, then we would want to start taking from the older of the two spouses the funds out. So this is a really interesting piece of legislation that affects everyone at any stage in the savings process. And it'll be interesting to see how we're going to enact that. So is the surviving spouse going to commingle funds into their IRA or are we going to keep the IRA separate in order to make that designation? They said this would be a one-time non-revocable election. So it's really going to be interesting to see how it plays out in the long run. Okay, let's switch gears now and start talking about some of the changes they're going to make to employer-sponsored plans. The two that I wanted to talk about today are the new proposal that companies are allowed to make matching contributions to someone paying down a student loan. So if you are paying a student loan and you're paying $200 a month, they're going to allow your company to match that $200 a month and put it in a qualified plan. 
This is to encourage savings. A lot of people who are paying student loans have a little disadvantage because they have to choose between paying the student loan and making a contribution to a qualified plan. So this is going to allow students paying down their student loans to also get some retirement state savings started. And it's one of the things that's going to be very interesting is to see is how are they going to figure out how to do this? How are employers going to know the amount of money that's getting paid on the student loan and how much of that will they be matching? So this is a brand new provision that we haven't seen before, and it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. The other brand new provision that we're going to talk about is the ability to take an emergency withdrawal up to four times a year from your qualified Roth plan. So right now, if you have to take money out of a qualified plan, you do so at a big penalty and disadvantage. And sometimes you have to take a loan and and you're limited to how much you can take out. What this new provision is allowing is to treat some of the money in your qualified plan as an emergency savings account. And this is, again, brand new and will be very interesting to see how it gets implemented. Now, we think it's really important to have an emergency savings account. And I like to call it having an adventure fund. And we did an episode on creating an adventure fund. And we will link to that at the end of this episode. But in the meantime, I think Congress is addressing the importance of us being able to have access to some money that's going into qualified plans to encourage us to save more. And the important thing to know with these new provisions that affect what we call qualified plans, which is like a 401k, is that the employer is going to have to adopt these provisions into their plan documents. So just because Congress says, hey, you can do this, does not mean that it will automatically happen. You're going to want to ask an employer, if you're a student that has a student loan, when this becomes effective, and you're going to say, do you match for student loan payments? So not every employer, as it stands right now, my understanding is, it, this is not going to be mandatory that they have to offer this. And so that's another really interesting thing on how these new laws, when they come into place and they're passed, how they affect us. And along those lines, they've also relaxed and made a lot of exceptions to the early withdrawal penalty for IRAs. Over the coming weeks and months, we'll get more information as to what those new exceptions are. And the fourth key piece of this legislation that I wanted to talk about today has to do with inherited IRAs or beneficiary IRAs. Insecure Act 1.0 that was passed in January of 2020, 
they change dramatically the rules for beneficiary IRAs. So if you inherited an IRA in 2020 or since, then you now have a 10-year window to withdraw all of the money in the IRA. Prior to 2020, you would be able to withdraw that money. These are for non-spousal beneficiaries. You would have been able to withdraw that money using a formula that's based on your lifetime. And so Congress tightened up that window and said, hey, now you have a 10-year window to withdraw all the money. And the theory being, I think, is that you would take out a tenth, a tenth, a tenth, and equally distribute the money to yourself over the time period. But as we know from the work that we did on our episode on biases, we do not like to take money out of IRAs and pay taxes. So in the first two, three years that since that legislation was passed, people that have inherited IRAs are ta- are not taking as much out as what Congress had envisioned. And so now there's some new language in this legislation that says, hey, wait a minute, we may not change that. We may not allow that window to exist where you don't have to take anything out until year 10. So remember, it was you had to withdraw everything by the end of year 10, but you didn't have to take anything out in years one through nine. Depending on the size of the IRA, that's not necessarily a great idea, especially if the IRA is very, very large, because when you do take the money out, there's no penalty, but it counts, it gets added to your ordinary income. So now Congress is saying we may not allow that we may want to start having a little bit come out each year, a certain required minimum amount to come out each year. And they're not 100% clear on what the amount is going to be yet. So that's really, really interesting how our system works. They passed the law, Secure Act 1.0 in 2020, and reduce the window for beneficiary IRAs from that person's lifetime to 10 years, thinking they were going to accelerate the income that gets taxed sooner. They were going to accelerate it. and But people, if they didn't have the choice, because we're typically are tax adverse, they were delaying. They were delaying and waiting and not paying, not taking the money out. The other thing to think about, and this is something that I encourage everybody to discuss with their financial advisor, is this is potentially for planning for your children a a really big issue, especially if you have an IRA, $300,000, $400,000, $500,000 or more. Um, This can be a really big issue for your adult kids inheriting these IRAs. So that's why I picked this one to talk about, um, because we talked about the benefit that they put in for the surviving spouse. Now, this is for the beneficiary, the non-spouse beneficiary, and it affects everyone. So um, we are still 
digging through this massive piece of legislation. I'm listening to podcasts and uh, talking to people, lawyers who are studying this. And we are going to do a live webinar on Thursday, April 20th at one o'clock. If you can't make the live webinar, we are going to have a replay for it. If you have any questions about the new SECURE Act, then please forward them to me. I'll put my email in the description below. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would ask that you hit that like and subscribe buttons since we can now ask you to like and subscribe. Uh, I thank you very much for taking the time to spend with me today. I hope you have a wonderful day. Take care. I'm so grateful to have you join me today on the Ready to Retire podcast. If you'd like to learn more information, please visit our website at truenorthwealth.com. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.